Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yotus B, it's the sportive once again. I've got John with me. Hello, John. Hi, Brandon. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, it's just the Iron Two once again. We've been ditched as always. We should we should give credit to our sometime co-hosts. Um, our, our good friend Chicken Finger sixty nine, as everyone knows, has fourteen children and has to drive one of them somewhere literally every night of the year. Yes, and our good friend Stu is in the process of selling one house and moving into another house, and so he is in hell right now. There, you you have done the move more than I have in in the history mm-hmm. of this podcast. Mm-hmm. You moved across the country and then back across the country, and now you've moved again. Yes. Do you love moving? What's going on here? <laughs> Uh, if I'm my best self, I can, can I can convince I can delude myself into thinking it's actually basically just one very annoying long weekend, and then you're you're golden. Besides that, that's not true, but it's something that I do try to lie to myself to to think when it's time to. I don't know. I mean, we're moving because we want a bigger yard, so I'm I'm having to convince myself that it's all worth it just for a, a little bit right. bigger yard. So. Just because we can have a left field fence and a right field fence in the backyard now. Yes. Well, that's my new all house has for. a basketball hoop, and that's really all I ever care to do is right. shoot hoops by myself. And so finally, the dream will be, will be realized. There's no risk of neighborhood kids or going to Lifetime, and there's a game going on with people who are actually good at basketball, and I'm not allowed to play. Uh, this is my own hoop, and I can shoot for as long as I want. All the live long day. That's how long I'll be shooting. <laughs> I love the idea that you, you buy this house with a bigger yard mm-hmm. and a basketball hoop, and you're going to get a 1920s-style cage to put around the basketball court and actually lock it so your children can't get in yes. and just go in there and shoot hoops, and your kids are hanging on the outside and crying, Dad, play ba- play ball with us. And you're like, no, I'm not. You, you guys are terrible at basketball. I'm playing basketball. It's shameful how close to accurate that is in my dreams. Right, right. Yeah, but Stu I mean, is moving uh, to a bigger town, which is pretty That's cool. true. You're moving from one street to the next street, I'm basically. moving, yes, uh, one mile away at most. Stu's moving an hour away, 
So that's pretty. Yeah, Stu uh, is that's a, Stu is moving on up. I'm proud of Stu. literally to the east side. Uh, Stu is not a, a spring chicken. He's not an old man. No, but he's no spring chicken. He's, and I think he's a 102 people, years old. I think a lot of people in let's just say their 40s. We'll, we'll give Stu is the we'll just say he's <laughs> we'll give Stu some credit. Yep. Um, may just go. That's not that's not the life for me. I'd love to do that. I'm just not going to actually go and take the plunge. And I'm proud of him and his wife and his family for going. Uh, we're going to go do that. That's a very simple thing to talk yourself out of. If you're Stu, if you're Mrs. Stu, or if you're their daughter, who I think is in tenth grade, if if I remember I right, believe that's correct. To yes. go to a new school and to do that, I'm just I'm I'm very proud of them. Even though, of course, they right. would probably make some self-deprecating joke of it's not actually that brave when you're moving out of St. Cloud because they don't like St. Cloud anymore. Yada yada yada. It's I mean, hard. the hardest thing—the hardest thing for Stu is going to be to find another group of racists to hang out with at a Culver's. <laughs> it, it's going to be hard to reproduce. It's a big part of his life. <laughs> Stu loves going to Culver's. He goes and sits in the corner booth, and you get in he with just the says crowd. racist stuff. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I wonder how you do that. Do you just sort of like stage whisper racist things at a nearby Culver's that's closer <laughs> to your new house, and just hope that there's a crew that's like, hey? We're over here. You just you go to the Culver's and you go through the drive-through and Stu's just saying slightly controversial things to see if the drive-through people respond well and then you can work up to going in, I guess. Yeah, you use your way into it. But either way, yep. I'm proud of Stu for for doing that. Proud of you, buddy. He doesn't listen to this. He'll never be on again. No, he'll never he he will have better things to do when once he moves to a big town. Long-time listeners of the podcast know that during the podcast Stu usually gives up on doing the podcast and mm-hmm. goes and cleans all the windows in his house or mows the lawn or just does something useful during the podcast. Right. Now he's going to be living in a big town with many things to do, and there's no chance we'll ever be able to get on his schedule again. We had a good run. It was some good times. Well, let's talk sports. Yep. I, I, I like I, – I, I, I need to talk sports, Brandon. We need to commiserate. I know. Because this was this was supposed to be like the two week period where the twins got some of their own back. You you might remember about I, I think it was in July, the Indians played little league teams for an entire month consecutive. And they won every game they played yeah. and the twins started with an eleven game lead and eventually that was a zero game lead. And it was awful, but we all looked forward and said, don't worry. There's this two-week stretch coming up at the end of August where the Twins play the White Sox and then the Tigers and then the White Sox and then the Tigers. That's a good schedule. That's the kind of schedule you want when you're in a pennant race. You want to play the Tigers as many times as you can. The Indians played the Tigers during that stretch of Little League games. They just alternate with a Little League team and then the Tigers for like four consecutive weeks. I don't know how the Indians got 43 games scheduled against Detroit this year, but they pulled it off and good for them because they made it work. Mm-hmm. And so the twins came into this week and everyone, if they're like me, they looked at the standings and said, all right, the twins have, I think 73 wins at the start of this week. That means in two weeks, they'll have 85 wins because they have 12 games against these teams. This is going to be great. And of course, they went out and got hammered twice by the White Sox. Yeah, it was tough to watch. They're not good. 
Yeah, hard to watch is a good description of what has been happening recently. So you, you remember, you remember earlier in the season, Brandon, when we would talk about the Twins and we would talk about their pitching and go, "Man, I don't know where this came from." What's happening now? I know where this came from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is this is what we talked about. I, I don't remember what the start of the season was like anymore because it was a hundred a hundred years ago now. Mm-hmm. But if you had asked me what kind of pitching do you expect out of Marty Perez and Kyle Gibson and Jake Odorizzi, mm-hmm. this is what I expected. This was it, yeah. Yep, Marty Perez. He's looking like an okay turd pick now. Not great when he was a yeah. Cy Young front runner after two months, but he has certainly come back to earth. It's the it's the <laughs> dreaded regression. So we typically like to ask questions specifically in the past about our uh, our sweet boy Byron Buxton on the six to midnight scale. This is obviously a midnight to six scale. Um, we've been at midnight. How far down are you right now? Yeah, it's. It's not as far as it's ever been because the Indians have helpfully been playing really good teams for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and they they are helpfully only winning one out of every three games they play, so that's nice. Yes. But yep. what was supposed to happen is the Twins were supposed to win all their games, and they'd have a 10-game lead again, and that's not happening. Right. I, I would say it's been – it's not a low point who were they playing a couple weeks ago where it just was an utter low point because the bullpen blew a couple leads? Oh, Basically, everything Sam Dyson's done since he got here has been a low point. Yeah, so there have been some tense that, losses. Those have been – that's about as close to to six as you get. But getting shut out by Giolito yesterday, that's that was pretty bad. Short armor. He's pretty good. He really does throw like they took a catcher and put him on the mound for the first time ever, and he didn't know how to pitch, so he just threw like a catcher at all times. But he also has control and throws hard, and it's impossible to see the ball before it's basically hitting the catcher's mitt. So. Yeah, it works. Um, I think I'm running at about a 745 right now. Wow, you are practically an optimist. Well, they uh, they still hit they still hit some dongs. It's still a that's, dong show. I mean, I love that part. That's true. They do hit three. Uh, they do hit three home runs every game they play. So it keeps me in the game. It doesn't feel like this small ball where they need three hits to score, uh, which is kind of fun. And there have been some pretty ugly losses recently. Um, but uh, you're right. Cleveland has not been playing well uh, either. So we're recording this on let's say August 22nd because that's what it is. Um, and I think the Twins have a three game lead. That's okay. That's not bad. I'd take that. And they're fun to watch. And every guy in the lineup I enjoy watching. Almost That's true. one through nine. The batting order is pretty fun. It's nice having nine guys come up and think, well, this guy might go deep. Right. Oh, this guy might go deep. And I, Oh, the backup catcher? Yeah, he'll definitely go deep. You're right. The pitching is almost the opposite of like, well, duh, maybe this guy will be good tonight. But they've all been almost to a man. Not great recently. Uh, Barrios right. has been has been struggling, right? I mean, I know that we think that this happens every year, but it does seem kind of true this year, where it just uh, he's been he's not been lights out at all. Pineda's been yeah. fine recently. Actually, he put a, a bunch of starts together, so that was kind of fun to watch for a little bit. But 
I don't know. There's really nobody that I feel very confident in right now. But anyway, the the upshot is they've been in games and they've actually they've still been watchable no matter what. So that's why I'm at a I'm hovering at a seven forty five. There's something moving down there, that's for sure. <laughs> There's some I feel a feeling. Yes. I'm not sure what that feeling is. I'm not sure. It's not not uncomfortable yet, but there's there's movement. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell if things are good or I got hit in the crotch right now. Yeah, maybe I've got some weird, yeah, weird allergy. Not sure. Um, but what is the what is your sense? Okay, here's the number one sportive rule. I think don't tell other people how to cheer for sports. That is a big. Well, we probably do it all the time. If anybody was going to take the time to go back and listen to the podcast, they'd probably find a hundred examples of me specifically yelling at people for how they cheer about sports. Yeah. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's just say that we don't want to tell people how to cheer about sports. I don't think we rag on on people too much for being like fair weather fans and not showing up for the no. team. And I don't nope, think we, we rag don't rag on those people a whole lot on people like getting really into the team, like too much. Not it would enough. be Im- we typically. It would be impossible for me to rag on those. People. <laughs> you would, that would be that would be a weird uh, move. That would you. be ridiculous. Generally, we don't give a shit, and I don't give a shit either. Um, so I'm not judging. But um, do you feel? I, I guess I'm just trying to sense the mood of the fans right now. I think that people are generally sadder than you would think if you realize we've got a first place team who's on pace for 99 wins and it's probably i know obviously is because it it's really tense to potentially blow a, a lead of that size but is that the feeling you're getting too people are i feel very on edge to me i people do feel very on edge to me too partially because the team has been pretty bad for a long time and so other than that wild card game a couple years ago which was not exactly a fun experience. It really has been a lot of struggle. And so it's a little bit, it's a little bit like you haven't gotten to eat all day. And then there's a cheeseburger there and someone's like, wait a second, hold on. I got to put a tomato on that cheeseburger. And you got to sit there and wait for it and worry that the dog is going to grab it off the table. I got I lost control of this metaphor a while ago. Right. Yeah, but, I was trying to think through what that tomato yeah. represented. Yes. The tomato is our hope. <laughs> okay. okay. I think. Uh, no, wait. That's not right. No. I, again, I lost control of that metaphor a while ago. But <laughs> you, you know the point you I'm trying to make. You haven't had a good just, burger in so long. And then you It see, seems. How about like you're really hungry and you order at a restaurant, and you're excited about the food, and it's kind of taking a little bit longer than you're hoping, and then you see the kind of the the cook put it on the the table for the server to bring it out to you, and then it's right. just sort of sitting there, and you're staring at it, and you're like, that's what I've been looking for, that's what I've been hoping for, get that shit over to me, and then it's like under the heat lamp, and you can tell it's getting worse, and you were so excited about it, and then randomly some other cook comes through and like, places his entire index finger straight through your burger on down <laughs> to the plate and i'm like oh fuck there's a hole in the burger i still kind of want it but i saw the beautiful burger for a second right maybe maybe that's it 
The tomato can still be in, in the burger metaphor if you want. <laughs> the tomato is still hope? Oh, good. The tomato is still hope, of course. I understand always. this metaphor as long as there's a hope tomato involved. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and again, like I don't think it's bad that people are kind of revved up about this because I think you're totally right if they've been bad for a long time. Plus, the, the losing three out of four to Cleveland was a really tense weekend for people. Yes, Yes, and there's was... a lot of like comfortable wins, which are kind of fun, and then really tight losses, which for some reason the bullpen blowing a game feels so much more painful than like Ugh. a standard Odorizzi gives up five in five innings and we lose five to two. Like that just doesn't, it just feels like, oh, of course, that'll happen. You know, like right. it's, there's, there's sort of, we're, it's, there's so many ways to get off the ride when Odorizzi's starting and oh. Look at that. It's 5 nothing in the first inning, and he's got one out. Well, yeah, I can be done for today. Yeah, that'll be it. I'll check back in in two hours and see if they're making a comeback. But. Yep. The bullpen, you're more invested. You're more committed. You were looking forward to a little fist pump at the end of the game, and then it was taken from you with the finger through the yep. burger. Yep. Sam Dyson here is the finger through the burger. Sam Dyson is the finger. <laughs> <laughs> we were very good at analogies. <laughs> So uh, it, they make so much sense. People can just picture it. Yeah, right. I mean, Sam Dyson does look like the kind of guy who would just stick his finger through your burger. Yeah, well, he, as far as Twins fans are concerned, is the biggest dumb shit at whoever lived. He got traded here and then gave up, what, five runs in a third of an inning or something insane? <laughs> and then it was like, it yeah, was... my arm's been killing me. Should have said something. <laughs> and so he is gonna. he's going to need to... Uh, win a couple playoff games or something to get back. In yeah, he might have to hit a home run in a playoff game, and I realize that's not going to happen. But super, that's about the only way. Yeah, he is close to Tommy Her territory at this point. As far <laughs> he as I'm is, concerned. he is in the Her zone for sure, and that's not that's that's as bad as it gets. The Her zone. He is has not. Error. As far as I know, he has not cried in the dugout yet. But that's about all he has left. I mean, Chuck Knobloch is kind of, but he even had, he at least had some good times. Tommy Hurt to right. me was just downside. Yep. There was, there was no good things about Tommy Hurt. Yeah. But the rest of the lineup, man, getting back to it, they are so fun to watch. Like, I think that we have been, I know I for sure have been annoyed with Sano for a couple of years, but he's been pretty awesome to watch this year and then this yeah arias arias mm, arise Whew. dude's incredible i don't understand mm-hmm. it. it just hits so many line drives i don't know if somebody made the comparison and i just mentioned chuck knobloch but he just sort of feels knobloch-esque to me a lefty Ooh, i like that he's just a little man i can't little wait guy, to, i can't wait to over. chuck a hot dog your Luis arise it's gonna be good i mean it was good the first time around with with knobby uh yeah, so that that part is keeping me keeping me into it. So, um, as of now, I think that they are comfortably percentage wise should be in the playoffs. Do you know? Here's a here's a uh, trivia question that I looked up three days ago, so it's probably wrong now. But anyway, let's go with it. Um, what the percent chance, according to Baseball Reference, that the Twins win the World Series? I'm going to guess here. Yes. And your their percent chance to win the World Series 
Let's see, got the Dodgers and the Yankees are good. And the Astros are amazing. All right, their percent chance to win the World Series is 2%. 8.7. That still That is better than I thought and also still not that good. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a good, I think I felt the exact same way. Like, wow, that's they do have a legit chance, but not a great one. That's a... That's a 1 in 12 chance of winning the World Series, mm-hmm. which given that assuming that they held on and won the Central, which is the most likely scenario, assuming that they held on and won the AL Central, they would be one of eight teams into that round of the playoffs. So if baseball reference is giving them a 1 in 12 chance, you can see that baseball reference really does not think all that highly of the Twins Compared to the other teams that will be in the playoffs. Right. Right. Who has who has the highest percentage chance? Well, the Yankees, I am assuming? John, or the God Dodgers? Damn it. I wasn't expecting to have to. All right. You do research. I will. Do you... What can I rant about? Well, did you want to get back to that tomato thing? Yeah. I can talk more about tomatoes and what they represent in our society. Sure. This is a good time for tomatoes, Brandon. This is the time when tomatoes actually taste good instead of just, like, nothing at all. This is the time when you can make a sandwich out of purely tomatoes. That's right. I'm John Marthaler for the American Tomato Council. Okay, that was really painful to to listen to. Uh, Houston Astros (laughs) have a 12.4% chance. Okay, that's that's not terrible. New York one and eight. New York Yankees have an eleven percent chance. Worse than the Astros. Interesting. Holy shit! Something's wrong with Baseball Reference. Oh no! They are claiming that the Los Angeles Dodgers have a thirty-four percent chance to win the World <laughs> Series. Have they watched playoff baseball recently? I know that is really odd to me so basically are there any other nl teams in the that have a better than one in ten chance of winning the braves have 10 i guess it's just probably because the rest of the national league is basically the same team yeah right exactly (laughs) um the braves have a 10 percent chance the cubs have a six percent chance if you look at like um SRS, which is the um, oh, the kind of an overall score, the the Dodgers have a two point one, which is whatever, like a multiple over the average team. So two point one is really good, uh, and then the rest is like point eight, point nine, point five, point six, point two, point seven. Like right, it's just basically the Dodgers are so much better than every other team in the National League. So. So, like, in Little League, you you play your Little League season, and then they sort of form an all-star team out of the local Little League, and that's the team that goes on to try to make it to the Little League World Series or whatever. Uh If you did the same thing with the National League, the Dodgers might have 50-50 odds of making it out of the NLCS. The Dodgers versus an all-star team made up of the rest of the National League. Yeah. Kind of sound that would be about a fair fight, according to baseball reference. As a data scientist, I can tell you that is exactly correct. As the founder and president of baseball reference, yep. Brandon is here to verify. Yeah. Oh, boy. But anyway, 
lots more um, angsty nerves um, and clutching. It's going to be a long month. It's, it's going to be a long month, Brandon. Right. Yes. Yes. True. Um, I also would love to see, I don't even know um, the guy's name, um, the kid that throws 103 miles an hour. Get him up here like tomorrow. I don't remember. I don't remember which which of our young pitchers who will blow, blow out their arms in their first fifty games of their major league career. That is, yeah, it's uh, Bryson, uh, Bruce, Bryson, Bruce, Bruce Dar, Bruce Dar Bryson Garvey. Yep, Bryson Garvey. Yep, Bryson Garvey is a lacrosse ass name. Oh boy, the most the most lacrosse name. <laughs> that kid is at Johns Hopkins right now. Hell yeah. Yep. Duke was a safety school. I hate him so much. I hate <laughs> didn't want to go to Garvey. Duke. <laughs> so much. Hey, Bryson Garvey the third, probably. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Worst guy ever. Yep. All right, John. You want to move? Anyway, on? we want to get that guy. We want to get that guy up to picture of the twins. Bryson Garvey. I want to get Bryson Garvey around. All right. Ready to move on. Yes, I'm ready. The others. I mean, I'm not ready to move on. No. The twins are the twins, but. All right. You're on. You're on rant probation, obviously, for oh, Minnesota no. Wild stuff. You know this. <laughs> I'm um, on rant probation for every single Minnesota sport. No, just the Wild and the Loons and every other non-professional <laughs> And every sport. other sport in the world. And the Gophers. Yep. And all <laughs> so, Gophers sports. So, so the sports I'm not on rant probation for right now are the Twins, the Timberwolves, and the Vikings? Yes. Yep. Oh, boy. That's it. So one of them uh, is the Wild. I know they hired a guy, Bill something. Can you give me <laughs> Billy the intel? Garen. What's the intel on this guy? Well, I I was surprised to find out that Billy Guerin was the first Latino player in NHL history. I had no idea. He was just this dude from Massachusetts that always seemed to be playing on an Eastern Conference team and scoring 35 goals a year, but... Turns out his mom's from Nicaragua. I had no idea. Cool. So I've spent like the last three days every so often trying to find enough Latino NHL players to fill out a team. And I got to tell you, Brandon, that's slim pickings. Get out. Get slim right pickings. out of town. Although I, I I feel like it's not really well known that Austin Matthews, who's one of the one of the big stars we talk about on this podcast yeah, sometimes. That's my, my favorite. Right at the start of right at the start of hockey season when you ask who the four guys are that you could pretend to know something about hockey for. Alex yeah, mentioned Austin exactly Matthews. Right. His his mom is also from Mexico. So, so we have he, again two He's the best maybe one of the best Mexican American hockey players ever. Billy Guerin and Gilda Radner are both Hispanics in uh uh top jobs for their professional team. And they both are in Minnesota. That's pretty cool. Right. Pretty cool. Okay, Billy Guerin. He's a longtime NHL guy. Was yep. he a, was he a bruiser? Was he kind of a footloose and fancy free little guy? Sniper, uh defenseman, lockdown D. Uh, uh, he played right wing score. <laughs> he was a lover and a fighter. Okay. Uh he's a chirper. Mm. He likes to likes to talk. Um, played in the NHL for, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure 
that he debuted in the league in 1964 mm-hmm. and he retired in 2010. So he's one of those guys that you look at his statistics page and realize that somehow during the course of his career, he was line mates with both Gordy Howe and Sidney Crosby, which seems impossible, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. These guys he, play forever. So he's one of them. Yeah. He's a, he's a lifer, like a Chelios type. Yep. One, uh, one of them just Stanley cups. I think with the, uh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. I think he was no with cares. the devils in night, sure. the devils in 95 and the penguins at one point, whatever. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no one cares. You know the podcast is going well when Brandon is literally talking over me and saying, no one Doesn't cares. Matter. No matter. one Just cares. Stop on, talking. Move on. Stop talking. Does not Nobody cares. What team he played for. Okay, okay. so he you, was a chirper. You right? literally asked me. You literally asked me what kind of player he was and to tell, me, tell you something about him. I wanted like a one-word chirper. <laughs> Hockey. Hockey. That's the word. Sniper. Yep. Good in the crease. Possible. I didn't look it up, but he's possibly a right shot, which means he has a chance of playing for the Wild this year. Nice. Okay, so what's he been doing since he retired? Uh, he retired and went pretty much straight into the Penguins front office. And he's, if if I recall correctly, he sort of worked up, worked his way up from being a area scout to being their assistant GM. And Isn't the that Penguins exactly been... what the other guy had, and we fired him. Well, not exactly because Paul Fenton worked his way up to becoming assistant GM, but that was in 1993 when he became the assistant GM, and then for 25 years he was the assistant GM, and it, uh, everybody else in the league seemed to figure out, huh? So this guy is probably not the personality type to be in charge of a team, mm, but then the wild. Yeah, I I enjoy the out of left field shot at Zimmer that you got in there <laughs> during during the hockey section. Completely in the hopes yeah. that our our good friend Chicken would actually listen and be oh, finally they got to the wild. Something I like to hear about. Son yeah, of a, you know it, Broxy. That's exactly what I'm doing. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So, he, he, he does not, at this point... Seem to be another assistant GM that never been a GM, and there's a good reason because he's still pretty new at it. He's only been in the front office for eight or nine years, I think. So it's not like Fenton that was in the front office um, since there was just six teams in the league or whatever. So this is a good this is a good hire as of now, right? I think, given the circumstances, it was about as good as they could do. Mm -hmm. For me, it really almost immediately became less about who they should hire and more about who they should not hire. Apparently, they talked to 
the Flyers old GM Ron Hextall, who's a lunatic, and they talked to um, Peter Chiarelli, who was the Oilers GM, which, much like being the Gophers football coach, should be the kind of job that once you have it and get fired from it, you're banned forever. Right. You're not allowed to be in the league anymore. If you can't do that, you can't do anything. Yeah. If once you've once you've done so poorly at something, you shouldn't be allowed to do it again. I agree. So there there was talk about them possibly hiring one of those guys, and of course, that was not what I was looking to happen. Um, so the fact that they hired a guy that seems to be pretty well respected, not a, not necessarily an up and comer, but certainly a guy who had not had a GM job yet and was going to get one somewhere at some point. Uh, he seems to be a little more personable than Fenton, who everyone seemed to possibly respect but personally hate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That seemed to be the story by the end. Yep. So that's my that'll be nice. Report. He's yeah, he's it, it's a little interesting that he was not a he, not that long ago he was a player, and that seems to be more of a trend lately with guys like Steve Eiserman taking over in NHL front offices. So. In some sense, the Wilder on on the trend there of getting a guy who was not who was a player in living memory and is not sixty three years old or whatever. Do you want him to be like uh, kick ass, take names, no holds barred? We need to shake things up to an insane degree, or is it like, hey, the foundation's okay? We just got to make sure that we win on the margins and like slowly but surely make our way back into being competitive. Well, I think <laughs> I'm on rant probation, so I can't give you my 11-part answer to that question. Nope, nope. Direct answers, please. Um, I think that the previous guy really shook things up and was terrible at it, which is a good example of why just quote-unquote shaking things up is not enough. Yep. Uh, the Wild are also in many ways unable to shake things up because they have a number of long-term contracts with older players mm-hmm. that they can't get rid of. And so they are far more they they are far more stuck in a rut of trying to hold on to the good players they have right and hoping for their old players to find the fountain of youth. Right, so they're not going to be able to do a bunch of shake-up stuff anyway, so he's just got to make sure he gets the fundamentals of like draft people that other people have heard of. <laughs> that's that's You would think that would be a basic one. Don't but... make idiotic trades. Don't sign over-the-hill guys for too much money. Just like do those sort of basic things for now. Right. Maybe get lucky on a... We signed a guy. I mean, I'm going to make stuff up because I don't know how it works, but like a waiver wire guy or a, you know, like a cheaper free agent that you're going to take a flyer on, get some of that, like the Nelson Cruz type signings right. Right. And then hopefully right. go from there. Yep. And it's hope be a much draft more like pick that. needs to turn into a superstar. That's, that's like the thing right now, right? Yep. That's, they, they have to hope that they can be competitive again without having to bottom out and draft first overall four years in a row or whatever. Didn't they sign and, a guy like two years ago who was like used to be good and then had kind of struggled for a few years but came over here and was actually really good again? 
Eric Stahl, yeah. Eric Stahl. That happened. So they got to do a couple yeah. things like that. Um, I guess it's... <laughs> I mean, they literally re-signed him again last year. So if that happens again, that'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those type of things is probably like the sweet spot of what this guy's going to be able to do in terms of changing the team structure right. for the next, whatever, five years probably, right. something like that, three to... Three to five years. Yeah, he's he. They have to keep drafting well. They have to, like you say, get lucky sort of on the margins with third and fourth line guys. I think a lot of what they're what he's going to have to do is try to fit all the puzzle pieces together because mm-hmm. they have a lot of decent to good players, but they don't fit into a lineup that well. Um, it they it's a little bit like if they were a baseball team and they had three first basemen and four right fielders and no middle infielders at all. You'd say, well, they have a lot of good players, but we can't just put first baseman at second base and shortstop. It's not going to, it's not going to work that way. Right. And so they're, they're sort of in a, they're sort of in a mess there because again, we go back to what Paul Fenton did, but he, he, he really seemed concerned about, trading the decent players they had for younger players, but didn't do any sort of job in trying to make those players that he was getting back fit into the puzzle of who's going to play right wing and who's going to play left wing and who's going to play center and that sort of thing. And so you end up when you start trying to piece together a lineup, you end up with four guys playing out of position just because there wasn't a lot of thought given to that sort of planning. Right. Did they have a recent high draft pick, or will they have one coming up here? Or uh, higher than their, usual? Their high draft pick this summer is a guy who's going to be in college for a couple of years, probably. He's a defenseman named Matthew Boldy. It's not gonna, he's not going to be an impact guy right away because he's 18 years old. It's, it's a lot like the baseball draft where you draft a guy and then you just have to sort of follow him for a few years. Okay. But, All right. But it, it's got to be better than... The draft pick last year of, oh, so this guy was a not very good player for a not very good team in a not very good league. He's hockey's Tyler J. He's hockey's Tyler J. That's I like that because it's a pretty deep cut for Twins prospect hounds, mm-hmm. and yet entirely appropriate. <laughs> I'm not even like a big prospect guy, but that's an unforgettable. It was still draft pretty perfect when. Like one minute after he came out, every single person who kind of cared about baseball was like, "What? I don't know. I don't think so." And they all ended up being right. <laughs> right. He, if you can't start for your college team, typically a bad sign. Yeah, it's just it's it's not it's not like a super red flag, but usually there better be a really good reason. Right. Yep. Wow. Good. Hey, that was a really good wild update, John. You're still on rant probation, but you're not on any further probation. Oh, thank goodness. You'd... I think the key here is that I stop talking. Yeah, totally. That's what rant probation, that's the whole goal of it all. And I know it well <sighs> because I am also on rant prob- probation for the wild, who are thankfully not on the agenda this week because there's nothing to talk about. Um, it, sucks, it sucks that even in a podcast where... Space is theoretically unlimited. I still need an editor. Well, not only that, John, you also have to keep in mind, this is worse for your in your case, no one's even listening, and you're still not allowed to rip. <laughs> That's how deep this Nobody cares, goes. and I mean, 
My editing is you saying, shut up, shut up. Don't Stop don't it. say that. Stop Nobody it. cares. Stop it. Stop it. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not a it gentle way of editing, but it's effective. No, right. Yeah. No, we're beyond we're we're beyond subtleties. We've been friends for too long now. Yep. All right. So uh we have not talked about the Vikings yet. Or the NFL. <laughs> I I think regard. we have not talked about the Vikings in twenty nineteen yet. No, and I think that there's a reason, right? I mean, to me, and I, I know that I'm, I, I am guilty of doing this every single year with my prediction of how many wins they're going to have, but this feels like the most 8-8 eight and eight team that has ever existed in the history of it, the NFL. It feels like we've become it, the Detroit Lions. It very much feels like 7-9. and nine. I, I think the Houston Texans have been yes. transplanted into Minnesota. Yes. Yep. Like, like... Six years ago, Tennessee Titans. Right. That whole AFC South garbage pail. Just that. They'll be competitive. Yep. They'll have a couple good games, and then some. somebody like Denver will come in and just piss pound them. And then they'll lose three more games, and they were 5-2, and two, and now they're 5-6. and six. Or they were... Three and seven, and then they came back to seven and seven. It just kind of is going to be in that sort of range. Um, just, they are who it they all are. blurs together. Like if you took the entire Jacksonville Jaguars roster and swapped it with the entire Tennessee Titans roster, would anyone notice, including fans of either team? <laughs> no. Wait a sec. Blake Bortles plays for us. Yeah, I guess that sounds right. Yeah, right. I just, I mean, I was on vacation for a week. Could have been, yeah. Could have happened then. Which trade? Did we get a trade? We must have gotten a trade. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess things could work out. They were good. What was it? Was it two years ago? But I kind of felt that the Vikings were good. The Vikings were good two years ago. Um, yes. And but it kind of felt like we cashed in all of our good fortune chips then. Uh, if you remember, Case Keenum was all, the quarterback. All at the exact same time. Yes. Yep. So. The upside for the Vikings is that their defense is always pretty good. I don't think that right. they've got a Khalil Mack on the team or a J.J. Watt or somebody to like really turn them into a, holy shit, they could win the Super Bowl all because their defense is so good. Or Von Miller, that guy. Remember him? I do remember him. God, I'm really good at names today. Every wow. once in a while, every two to four seasons, there's like a defense that that's that is that good. You're like, oh shit, they maybe just carry us, but it's it's rare. It's not common. It doesn't feel like right. the Vikings have enough talent to be that. They're always just like, hey, they're like the fifth to twelfth best defense every year. That's pretty cool. Um, and they get pantsed a couple times every year, but for the other fourteen games, they're good. Um, Somehow, I was reminded recently that the Vikings got beat like forty-eight to ten by the Bills last year at home. Yeah. Well, didn't they weren't they loot like down like 28 nothing or something yeah. in the first half? How did that happen? God, it's insane. Just what a what a weird team the Vikings were last year. Yeah. Yeah. They they almost they almost made the playoffs. They should have made the playoffs. They in the last week of the season they were at home mm-hmm. playing the Bears, a team that had absolutely nothing to play for, and they got smoked. And I felt like nobody in the state was really that disappointed about. There have been so many Vikings games where oh, this is the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, 
and something got screwed up and it's just utterly painful. Tears. Nate Riots. Yeah, Nate Poole comes to mind. That game against the Bears, it was mostly like everyone in the state was thinking, thank goodness it's... we don't have to do this again next week. I'm so glad yeah. the Viking season is over and I don't have to watch them get slaughtered in the playoffs next week. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I totally forgot this even happened until you just mentioned it, but I definitely feel yeah. like that it was just, antipathy. It erased itself. Yeah. yeah. They had a home game against a team with nothing to play for to make the playoffs, and nobody cared because they just wanted the season to be over. I know. So That's a weird team. It's hard to th- – and they're they're the same team now, right? Like, yeah. they yep. got a – they drafted a – an offensive lineman, which is really good, they, actually. That's awesome. They I'm have a whole cool. bunch of different offensive linemen, which is great. Yep. So that's cool, but they still have Cousins. They, I mean, they always have really good receivers. Uh, Delvin I, I feel Cook, like we maybe he. Was I feel like we need to just. I feel like we need to stop and talk about the Vikings draft pick. They drafted a center yep. who, the thing that everyone seems to know about him, is that he has an. Um, I don't know if extremely is the right word or exceptionally or he he seems to have an an incredibly sweaty butt. Oh. Which is a strange thing for a center to the point that this has been a topic of conversation when people have been interviewing the quarterback. Like, how are you dealing with the sweat from this other it's it's. It's an odd relationship anyway, the quarterback center relationship. I'm trying but to think just the fact that we're we're talking about it. That's that's a weird thing, right? Is there a worse position in sports to have a super sweaty ass than center? I, I can't one. imagine I can't imagine what that position would be. It's basketball, baseball. Is there another position hockey, in sports where there's only yeah, is one there another position in sports where you're touching your butt? Right. This is it. This poor guy. Why didn't he move Oof. positions at some point? Like, right. It's not like this is a. This just came up. Like he just. Yeah, all it's of a not sudden like the Vikings. Like, Shit, I was. I never. Yeah, really the had training camp. I was like, wait a second. You're under center. Year, yeah. I would have changed positions. Hey man, uh, I was working on some stuff over the summer, and I'm a right tackle now. It's like, wait, you were – no, 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 I'm a right tackle. Yeah, I was working on footwork. I am I can – no one does a swim move off me anymore. I'm a right tackle. Please don't make someone I'd like to play. I'd like to play guard. As it turns out, we're not out of the shotgun every play here. And I'd just like to say that I know that I was drafted to play center, but I was, I was hoping I could play some guard this year. I can't handle it. Like all. It's butt sweat. It's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's how the that's how the year is starting. We're talking a lot about the center's sweaty butt. Not even. I mean, it's the only exciting thing about the team is how sweaty can this guy's ass get. It's the only thing I, I care have, about. They also have. Um, they've had their their yearly kicker disaster early. They their kicker has looked so bad, and a Vikings kicker looking bad. We're talking. We're talking shades of gray here because right. they're all somewhat bad. Yeah, it's got to be he's... like Courtney Love went on a bender, and we go, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Like, no, no shit, dude, she's fucked up. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm sorry. Let's just that was on. a that was an extremely topical reference to bring <laughs> no Courtney Love into that. Absolutely, in 2019. No clue. Why on earth? 
Courtney Love's got to be 62 years old at this point. She's probably dead. I mean, there's a really <laughs> good chance she, she died like nine years ago. <sighs> Can't wait for Wade to tweet us tomorrow telling us whether Courtney Love is dead we or not. We are such dads. This is the most dad. <laughs> um, but the kicking situation is so bad that they traded another draft pick. The Vikings are the, the champions of spending draft picks on kickers and then having those kickers fail. But they traded for a kicker who is probably going to get cut by the team that had him. And they were so desperate that they actually gave something up for a guy they could have waited two weeks and just picked up. Who, near as I can tell, may or may not be a kicker, but might actually be a punter. I don't quite understand what is going on. Is it one of those and things where like, he's getting a little bit extra credit because he can kind of do both? But in reality, he's not good enough at either one of them. Maybe. I mean, it's cool. I honestly don't know. He's also Norwegian. Hmm. And I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't even know what which letters is, he has in his name. Yeah. I'm going to call him Donald Igwe Bikwe. Sure. Until I learn how to pronounce Yeah, the other. I'm not even going to attempt it. Donnie, Why would I do that? Donnie Iguana. Donnie Iguana. Um, so is he gonna? Is Dan Bailey the kicker, or was is that the guy's name for the moment? The last, okay. But we just traded a draft pick for another guy who might be a kicker and might be a punter. So don't you kind of have to start that guy kicker? But he also might be a punter. He might be a long snapper. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, Brandon. Kind of a jack of all trades type special teamer. But I, I do have another funny thing for you, which is something that I wish our, our good friend Chicken was here to discuss. Can it beat the we, we've made a we've met, we've made a lot of jokes on this podcast about Mike Zimmer and offensive coordinators and how they only exist so that Zimmer has somebody to scapegoat for his team's failing. Yep. And we thought they were all jokes and then this year the Vikings went out and near as I can tell hired three offensive coordinators. <laughs> He's got he's got the offensive coordinator, and then he's got there's like, an offensive coordinator who's never been an offensive coordinator before, making him prime scapegoat territory. And then he's got like an offensive advisor, and then like yeah, they, I believe his title is assistant head coach and offensive advisor, okay. which is the most ridiculous nonsense I've ever heard in my life. What? Okay, yeah, yeah. So you apparently. They, Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator, but if you ask any player, they're all like, oh, yeah, Gary Kubiak's offense is really going well. Yeah. And this seems like a recipe for disaster to me. And I, most Vikings offensive coordinators are a disaster in one way or another, but this seems, this seems bad. I bet Zimmer is going to have some setup in his headset where in his left ear he'll hear Stefanski making the call, and then in his right ear... It'll be Kubiak reacting to that call. So it's like, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, it's third and long. Let's do a quarterback draw. And then it's just like, fucking idiot. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? This fucking moron's going to do what? <laughs> just a, an, uh, because he loves scapegoating so much. He just he needs a, a continual uh, stream in his head. Just so what it. you're saying is that Gary Kubiak's not only the assistant head coach and offensive advisor, he's also the chief scapegoater. Chief scapegoater. He's in charge of so. assigning blame. 
Zim, you gotta you gotta give me the controls. He just called the quarterback draw. It's third and eleven. Come on, <laughs> yeah, give me a break, Zim. <sighs> I'm sure that'll end well. But if Zimmer gets fired, Kubiak will take over. So I don't even even know if they're like, right? I I I feel like somehow Norv Turner is going to be involved in yeah. all of this again. Right? Yeah. We're going to end up back on the Norv Turner bandwagon. I don't know how it's possible, but I feel like it's going to happen. Anybody knows that a a really well-run organization has no chain of command and like 11 people kind of accountable, but no one person. That's how you do it. Some people would call it a triangle of authority. Triangle of authority. That always works. Yeah. It's worked for the Vikings in the past and it can do so again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh just yeah, and is Kubiak even an offensive guy? I thought he was a defensive-minded. No, he's he's an offensive guy. Okay, all right, all right. So that helps. I think I I'm gonna get this fact wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was the Broncos' head coach when their defense was amazing and their offense basically their job was to hold on to the ball long enough for the defense to get back on the field and start scoring some points. No, oh, so Zimmer's guy. That's perfect. That's exactly yeah. how Zimmer wants he's to play. A, that's I mean. You can see what attracted Mike Zimmer to him. Well, they won the Super Bowl when Peyton Manning threw for like 63 yards, right? <laughs> Zimmer was that on was, the couch just like, fuck yeah. That's right. That was That's what I that was amazing. We Everybody spends so much time and angst talking about who the quarterback is. And then sometimes just comes along a team where it just doesn't matter at all. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter who you put the quarterback. It, it, all that matters is that he doesn't throw the ball backwards. And even with, with Peyton Manning that year, who was basically so hurt he couldn't throw a forward pass, it didn't even matter because their defense was so awesome. He got benched for Brock Osweiler. That's that's a that's a that's a bad one. And if I remember right, the only reason he actually started in the Super Bowl was because Osweiler was hurt. Or was somehow even worse? I don't know, but he was certainly benched for Brock Osweiler. Poor Peyton. Hope he's doing okay. I think a lot of this Viking season depends on Kirk Cousins. And every time I think about Kirk Cousins, every time I think about Kirk Cousins, I just remember that on this podcast, in back-to-back weeks, we called him a walking chicken soup for the soul book (laughs) and a handsome airport windsock. And I just I can't get past that. Yeah. I can't get past those. No, two that'll things. stick with you. Yeah. But it's impossible. It's impossible for me not to smile when thinking about Kirk Cousins for that reason. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. To me, the best case scenario is ten and six, win a playoff game somehow randomly, and then it all goes to shit. I mean, that's the absolute upside. Which again, it's not a terrible, but they don't have. Their defense can't carry them, and as far as I'm concerned, Kirk Cousins can't either, so who the hell knows? I mean, Thielen and Diggs will be fun to watch. Maybe Dalvin Cook will be healthy. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem seems thing to be that... Brought up, that's, that'll be kind of fun to watch. and <laughs> That'll be that'll be strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, pro- the one thing that worries you about Dalvin Cook is they're determined to run the ball because Zimmer just... All he knows about offense is he just stands and screams at the offensive coordinator to run the ball. Yep, that's it. Uh, but Delvin Cook has played like four games in the last two years because he's hurt all the time, and the Vikings have helpfully gotten rid of his backup. So there's if Delvin goes down, there's nobody. Yeah. 
Wow. So that's that's definitely who you want to be carrying the ball 43 times a game. I just remembered like, that they did draft a guy named Irv. That's, that's true. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm in. Irv, Irv Smith. Yeah, that's great. He was like he was just he was he was playing at Alabama and he was maybe the most unfair part of Alabama's team where Oh, you covered all the wide receivers and you're stopping the run. Great. We're going to throw to this tight end who's faster than any of the players on your team. Yeah. I, He's also bigger than any of the players on your team. So good luck. I just good remembered luck. him and now I'm excited again. <laughs> True. I'm in, if baby. You can get that ex- if you can get that excited about a tight end, you really should think about becoming like a Bears fan. <laughs> a backup tight end, John. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the main one. Um, let me ask you. Uh, year over year, are you more, less, or the same amount excited for the NFL just in general? I I honestly don't know the answer to that because I can't sort out my own feelings about it. It seems to me, and you can you can agree or disagree on this, it seems to me that the NFL gets just a little bit more joyless every single year. Like, it's a little less fun for everyone involved and a little more like work every year. And I don't, I, on the one hand, I just cannot fathom the idea of being excited for another NFL season to start because it's like another school year starting mm-hmm. or another part-time job that you have to take to support your family. It just is not a fun thing. And yet the other day I was at my parents' house and it was uh, Sunday night and my dad, who is far too far gone to care about this sort of thing anymore, said, hey, you want to watch you want to watch the start of the Vikings preseason game? And based on everything I just said, what I should have said is, no, God, no. Why would I subject myself to that? I'd rather watch the what? TV not turned on. What could what about me possible could possibly make you think that I would willingly subject myself to preseason football? And what I said was, sure, yeah, sounds good. And I watched like the first two quarters of the preseason game. Wow, I didn't even know that. What I guess I'm one. what I guess I'm saying is I'm sick in the head. Yeah, well, you're not quite on NFL probation, so just so you know, that's still good. You're still allowed to rant freely, but. Um... I'm I'm what I, I'm not excited about the Viking season yet. I'm already starting to plan where I'm going to watch the first game. Yeah, that makes no sense, Brandon. Why? I don't know, man. That's weird. You're weird. Yeah, I agree. Are you excited for the Viking season? Uh, there's I'm not even remotely excited for the Viking season. It just definitely feels like I've seen this movie five times. I know exactly how it ends. I, I am just having an impossible time convincing myself it will end in any other way this year. There's no mystery to to the team. Again, I'm sure they'll figure out some way, but Kirk Cousins has been good in the past. He's been bad in the past. I can't, we kind of know his range. He's not all of a sudden going to be an MVP, right? Right. And again, this I feel like Zimmer's been – has he been coached for like five or six or seven years now? I can't. I can't remember a time before Mike Zimmer being totally the coach of the Vikings. Feel like they're fine, but again, like their offense or their defense is not going to become the '85 Bears. So I just sort of feel like I know what I'm getting from the team. 
And I don't really like Kirk Cousins to begin with a whole lot. Um, I really enjoy watching mobile quarterbacks. I think that like adds a lot of fun for me, and he's not. And so I don't know. I'm I'm not really that excited to watch the Vikings. And I don't even. I mean, I'll I'll watch them if they're around. I still feel like I always will. You know, have some sort of baseline. I'll watch them, right? But I'm not gonna like be upset if I miss the game or whatever. But just in the NFL overall, um, the Browns might be fun, right? Baker Mayfield. I think I only just really think about quarterbacks. Like, I would love to watch <laughs> really... Baker Mayfield a little bit more. I love Pat Mahomes. Uh, that's it, I think. Like, are you are are you kids at all into the NFL? No, no, they're I not. I feel like that's an excellent way to get dra- you get sort of you get dragged back into it because if your kids are super into, oh, I'll sit and watch it, whatever. Yeah, it is interesting. It I do sort of- have Jones is going to turn eight here um, in a couple of months, so he's kind of he's pretty close. You'd think to be like, yeah. hey, the Vikings game is on at noon. We are watching this game. I definitely, I think I was like that at eight years old, but for some reason. I, he doesn't really he, I mean he's excited about it and then you know if something happened and he was randomly just like downstairs playing with his cousins or something if we're all together he's not going to come back upstairs to make sure he caught the rest of the game or what happened in the game like he gets excited about it and then just kind of forgets it so so that's not a thing that's tying me to the sport either um yeah who knows one of my one of my good friends his he he was uh, he played a lot of sports in high school and he was into sports, but he just sort of drifted away from it a little bit because he got a job and he had kids and got other hobbies. What he an idiot! Loves going hunting and stuff, uh-huh. and so he sort of drifted away from all this interest to the point that my my group of friends would tease him a lot for not knowing anything about sports anymore. And then suddenly, his son, who was not interested in sports at all, just suddenly flipped a switch and became the most into sports of anyone ever to the point that he's like spending all of his time. Every free time he gets, he's like watching old NFL games on YouTube. My God. Like clips from the Browns. Is the story ending with this is actually your child? No, it's just, (laughs) it's, it's amazing to watch my poor friend get dragged back into all this stuff that he had bought. He had left behind because his son is so into it now. Yeah, he's got to get the extra sports package on TV. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, Dad, it's Sunday. We got to watch football the whole day. And he's like, are you? It's duck what? hunting season. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My kids, Jones in particular, loves playing sports. He's obsessed. All he ever wants to do. It's sort of like my dream came true to such a far degree that it's all of a sudden become my nightmare. I walk in the house and four seconds later, catch, catch. What if I catch? Dad, catch. Football or baseball, you can choose. Or we can go outside and you can throw me some balls. We can go down to the park and shoot hoops. Either way, we got to play some sports. Sports, 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 sports. Sports are happening now. Yeah, and it's just I got like, my skates. I got my I got my basketball. Got whatever you're on. ready for. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever you want to do, Dad, except that I, I definitely need you to be involved, and I will not entertain myself. <laughs> so, uh, but it's always just been about playing. Like, he'll go to a Twins game, and he'll be super interested for a little bit, and then he's like, whatever. Wolves game, same deal. I haven't taken him to a Vikings or Wild game yet. But, um, yeah, so that's not holding me in. As of now, I don't but know. But he's he could be on the cusp. He could this, be. This is the age where this 
sort of obsession starts to develop. So I think that's about right. I think eight years old was I I, I for sure remember like for like a nine year old um, as being like just that's it. That's all I care about. Yeah. So we'll Did, see. Does he does does he like collect baseball cards? Is that still a thing the kids do? Yeah, I don't think it's a huge thing anymore. Like he certainly doesn't go bring his cards over to his buddy's house and like trade and do all right. that. Um, but he gets excited when someone gives him a pack or two of cards for like a you know Easter or his birthday or whatever it is. He'll get right. pumped about it, and we'll have to talk through like who this player is and who that player is and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of he's getting there. So we'll see if it ends up turning into. He, he's showing a lot of the signs, a lot of the symptoms. It's there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's he's when he sits cusp. down this winter. He's like, Dad, I, I really for my birthday, I really want you to get the NHL package so I can watch every <laughs> NHL hockey game. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> Brandon just falls to his knees in his living room. Right? No. Yeah. Dad, I've been listening to the podcast. As Billy Guerin seems like a pretty good guy, uh, take John off probation. I want to hear more of his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the children of my friends that I'm using to try yeah. to get back into my friends' good graces. Right. Um, but overall for the NFL, I think what's going to ruin the entire thing is I think I read that pass interference is now reviewable. Oh, Brandon, it is. Jesus. That's, that's a true statement. It, it it really is awful. It's I know at this point it's cliche to say that instant replay is ruining football, but you are not ready for instant replay of pass interference calls. I, I can guarantee you mm-hmm. you're not ready no. for how terrible it's going to be. No, I think that they are. It's a subjective thing. It is not fair to go back and just rewatch a subjective play. It's not going to help anything because right. all the rights they're trying to wrong, they're gonna they're gonna solve half of them, and they're just gonna have more wrongs. There's no net positive here whatsoever. And just, I think that they're I trying mean, to overcorrect from that New Orleans call in the playoffs last year. I saw a bunch of replays right. of it, and I think that the only way to correct something like that is. When when the guy throws the pass interference flag or doesn't throw it, and the play ends, one of the other refs has to feel empowered to run over and be like, "Dude, you fucked that one up. You better just like get on the horn and say, hey, after further discussion, like no replay needed. We talked about it as referees, bros. I fucked up. That was pass interference, or that wasn't, or whatever the actual call was, because I don't really remember where it was." Um, until they can feel empowered to like have a conversation amongst themselves in two seconds on the field, I don't want to have them take seven minutes to have one guy go back and and rehash it. Hey, the every every downfield pass is there is kind of pass interference. Yeah, it's like the the lowest possible point is twenty percent. If the if the guy's not entirely wide open, if there's a defender near him, there's going to be a little bit of pass interference at least, yep. maybe a lot of pass interference, and it's already awful to watch because every time a defender knocks a pass away, the wide receiver is immediately going to come up doing the waving for the flag thing, and you just have to sit there and hold your breath watching on TV to see 
if a yellow flag flies in from one of the four corners of the screen. And it's it's already the most annoying thing yeah. about football. And to add replay review on top of that, it's going to be miserable. And it can go both ways, too. So every time somebody has like a 53-yard catch down the sideline, we're going to have to stop and have a replay review. And we're going to sit there and watch a slow-motion thing that shows both guys because they're human beings that can't occupy the same space in space and time. They're going to touch each other and push on each other. And maybe it's offensive pass interference. Maybe it's defensive pass interference. And now we're just sitting here debating what pass interference even is. This is a league that has already made it impossible to tell from a replay for any fan or even any league official you watch one replay and you say, I have no idea whether that's going to count as a catch or not. I used to know. It used to be that if he caught the ball and he didn't land on top of it before grabbing it, that was a catch. But now I have no idea. What's a football move? How many steps does he need to take? What are we even talking about anymore? I have no idea whether he's caught a pass or not. And now adding pass interference on top of that? Mm, so oh. bad. And next year we'll be Just, holding. It, I, I said this on Twitter to somebody, but when, because that's going to happen, there's going to be a missed holding call, like in the end zone, yep. on on a, in a key playoff game, and next year holding is going to be reviewable. And I can't stress enough that there's holding on every play that has ever been run in the National Football League history. And the day that they come out and say holding will now be reviewable, you can start the clock, and in three years, football will be dead. Yep. It's going. It's, it's too important. We got to get holding right. We got to make sure that's. It's just. Everybody says about any instant replay in sports, they all say, "Well, it's too important. We got to get this right." No, it's not. It's not that important. It's really not important. For everyone, you get right when you review it. You also get wrong another half the time as yeah. well when you overdo it. Yeah. It's sort of like in baseball. Every once in a while, like a stolen base. You know, when a guy will keep a tag on and it's like you just like yeah. bounced off the base. You're like, what on earth are you expecting to happen in this play? Right. This is why not are we the talking about sports. this? We agreed for 150 years that this is fine and it counts as a stolen base. And now we have to sit here and analyze for four angles whether the glove is touching him when his foot microscopically maybe bounces off the base or maybe not. We can't tell from this because angle. Because the base is but made it looks of a like certain it might material have. where it has a little give to it, and all of a sudden he is technically <sighs> off the base. It's Yeah, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, it's I think this is a really bad I, step. I do know what to do about it. Stop it's it. time to get rid of all instant replay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You think so? It's ruined it. You ruined it. You ruined it. Yeah, I don't know. I get I get why they introduced instant replay, but it's awful in every sport now. Yeah, it's it's the I, I agree with you on that. I understand it. There are of course very egregious things that happen, but again, in my point of view, is look at the replay on the jumbotron just like everybody else does. And if you look at it and you go, oh, never mind. There's your chance to reverse the call, and then we'll just move on. On in right. in no. On no planet would you ever go, let's get to a 75 frames per second view of whether his foot came off the base while he was sliding in. You look at it and you go, oh, he was there. It's safe. 
So that gets rid of the very egregious, insane, obvious, how embarrassing, the perfect game from Galarraga a million years ago. Yeah. You would have been able to turn around and look and go, whoops. Sorry, never mind. Game over. Like you'd get rid of those. And I think that's all fans really want. Fans don't really care about anything else besides the ones that are gonna like they're gonna be talking about for the next sixty years because they're so bad and they're so whatever. Um yeah. and so we try to solve by making all uh pass interference reviewable when at, in actuality all that ref had to do was look up at the jumbotron one second later and go, Never mind, I'm sorry. The end. Yeah. Screwed that one up. Yep. <sighs> As always, John, it's gonna be... we are always right. We should end on that. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's good and it's late. Uh, I had a good time talking sports with you, buddy. Oh, it's it's just good to complain. It's good. It feels so good to complain. <laughs> I can't wait till it... <laughs> I think randomly on every podcast we do from now on, while you're talking one time, I'm just going to start going, shut up. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. stop just it. stop. John. John, stop. John, stop describing. John, stop it. What he player he was as a right winger. <laughs> stop. Stop. Stop talking right now. I am a delight. <laughs> uh, all right. Good work. Okay. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.